Well, we're grateful for God's presence and his ability. <laughs> you know, it's um, kind of a well, unfamiliar statement to say uh, God's ability. And uh, God is able to do all things, but he is able to influence and he's able to touch our hearts in a way that can bring us closer to him. Um, I'd like to make mention of the announcements. Uh, Wednesday night at 7, we are continuing our study on the book of Revelation. And then I believe this Saturday at 10, or I forget, is it 9 or 10? She's not here. <laughs> Pardon? 9.30. How about we'll split it? Uh, 9.30 is uh, ladies' Bible study downstairs, so keep that in mind. Um, so keep that in mind. Of course, Sunday morning at uh, 9.45 is Sunday school and 10.45 is church. And uh, if you have a contribution, we have our uh, offering plates around the sanctuary. But if you have a contribution you'd like to send, uh, make it out to Winber Assembly, uh, and that's Box 361, Winber PA 15963. Winber Assembly, Box 361, Winber 15963. So some ask, is that 15963, is that 15,006? No, <laughs> no, that's not. That's, if you want to, you can make the check out to that, but you know, we'll, we'll let it go. Ruth, you don't have to do that. Okay, yeah, and I just, just wanted you to know. Okay, all right. <laughs> so anyhow, we're grateful for your uh, contributions. We're grateful for giving to the Lord. We um, studied in our Sunday school lesson about, um, uh, well, it was the rebuilding of the wall and, and uh, rebuilding of the temple. And one of the, th one of the scriptures was in Micah uh, 3.10, Malachi 3.10, that will a man rob God by, you know, withholding his tithes. And I never knew that the word robbed is to deliberately, like, rob, to take from. It's like, whoa. And the idea of taking from God is almost that we have to fight against God's nature in us to not give. <laughs> and God wants us to give in order that he can bless and he can, he can reward us. And, and the conflict in that, those verses was that the people were saying, God is not faithful. <laughs> You know, God is not good in giving back to us. So anyhow, that's a different study. But we want to do the right thing in the, in the sight of God, so we give. Uh, the, the title of the message today is, it's a little different. Um, I, I thought of it in, you know, many different, you know, whenever I'm writing or putting together a, uh, a sermon, you know, I, I often struggle, well, what, what, what's a good title? And, you know, because you've got to have that title that gets people's attention, because there's thousands of people just waiting to have that good title on the internet. Thank you for saying amen to that. So there's people just waiting to hear uh, the message, and so, but they are. Well, the title of my message today is My Life, My Choice. <laughs> my Life, My Choice. Now, it doesn't sound like a good sermon for church and coming from a biblical perspective. And, well, we have to make that decision. My life, my choice, God's life, God's choice. And um, whenever we are in a society, I think, as we are, <laughs> it is basically a self-centered. Um, if you th think about it, you look at the TV commercials and you look about uh, all the advertisements and things like that. We go back to the garden, uh, Adam and Eve, that there are three basic categories in which selfishness and self-centeredness come from. And they are, it's gonna, you know, sin is going to make me look good, it's going to make me feel good, 
It's going to make me more than what I am. All, the, all of sin, in every sin category, every sin in, in our lives or in, that uh, Satan has come up with falls into one of those three categories. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It's going to make me look good. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me more than what I am. And I often think of like the computers and things that are advertised. Put this, it'll be the answer for what you need, <laughs> right? More technology. Now, to my grandson, that would be great. You know, he's in fifth grade. <laughs> That's a great thing, more technology. You know, he can never, you know, he called the other day uh, to wish me a uh, happy birthday. Yeah, th thank you very much. Um, he, <laughs> he wanted to wish me a happy birthday, and you can't hear him because he puts it on speakerphone. And then he goes about doing something else, you know. <laughs> it's like, hey, are you talking to me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I called you. What, what are you doing? Oh, I have this I'm doing, you know. It's like, <laughs> who are you, Grandma? <laughs> She's always going, got this, got this, got this, you know, Facebook. And, but, but that's our, our society. That's kind of where we live, and it's not that it's wrong. It's just the way that our society and the way that things are presented and the pace that we live and the information age that we have, it, you know, it's just who we are. Well, does life then have um, uh, any actions to it that belong to us? You know, do what, is, is what I'm doing really my life and, and my choice? Is, um, do we really choose everything that comes into our life? Often, it isn't what we choose. It isn't what comes into our life. We choose how we're going to respond to it. You know, it's how we respond to the difficulties and how we respond to the needs. Everyone has different scenarios that come and present themselves, but it's how we respond to them. What does it do? What, what does it bring out inside of us? It's difficult to see how or why some people view life the way they do. I mean, we are, you know, in a sheltered environment. If we grew up here in, in western Pennsylvania or central Pennsylvania, whatever we like to call it, um, but if we go to New York City, you know, that's a whole different environment. But if you go to, um, I happen to have gone to South Africa and Zimbabwe and, and then Central America, if you go to those countries, it's like, wow, this is really different. You know, no electricity, only outhouses, if they have those. Um, so you, you, it's just like, it's a culture shock. And so whenever we're looking at our lives and looking at the United States, we often thought, <clears throat> well, I remember growing up, the United States is the great melting pot of all different uh, nationalities coming together and merging together as one. Well, now that doesn't seem to be a thing to do. It's individuals and groups, and they have, everyone has a right. But we find that what we perceive, what other people's rights are, and what those people perceive as my rights, they are challenged. And so... Is it really my life, my choice? So does God care how I act? <laughs> see, you see, is it God's life, God's choice? Does it re God really care how I vote? I've got to put politics in this, right? Does God really care how I vote? Does God care about the, the election? Does God care about the stance that different uh, groups have? And the answer is yes. But what stance is he taking? What stance does God have? What reflects his character? What reflects his laws? Our actions are extensions of our moral views. 
You know, our actions are extensions of our own moral views. If, and I often ask, if we don't have Christianity as the focus of our views of life, then what becomes the view of life? What becomes this social, economical uh, way of governing ourselves and governing our relationships with other people? How does all this fit if we're only governed by uh, what suits our life? Um, in Judges 17.6, it says, Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And if you read that in the context of that, it was a, it was a very destructive force in the society of Israel that they couldn't agree and they just was helter-skelter and there was no focus, there was no purpose. And we find that in our own lives that we have to recognize God does care and that God does have a way of working in us and through our political system. And it does matter how we vote and it does make a difference who we, what we do with our life and how we view our own mortality. Because people sometimes think in the context that they are immortal and they're surprised when something comes up and, you know, that is disastrous, you know, working in hospice all those years. Um, it was surprising, you know, I, I've, while dealing with that end of life scenario so for so many years, it's like, well, everybody gets a chance. <laughs> everybody gets a chance to leave this life and go to the next. And we wonder, well, who has the chance and who's going to make it? And when it shows up that it's time for us to go, are we going to be surprised? Whoa, I was not expecting this. <laughs> you know, I told you about the lady that uh, was on the operating room and she died, went to heaven. And St. Peter says, what are you doing here? <laughs> he says, I don't know. I was on the operating table and I'd, I'm here. And he says, you're not due here for another 20 years. He says, go back down. So she goes back down uh, goes through the surgery, and she decides, well, I'm going to have a facelift, tummy tuck, you know, she's going to have all the surgeries and stuff, and whenever she gets done, she walks out of the hospital and gets run over by a bus, <laughs> and, uh, and she dies and goes to heaven, and St. Peter looks at her and says, Mary, she says, well, you told me, Mary tells St. Peter, you told me I wasn't due here for 20 more years, and, and St. Peter says, Mary, is that you? <laughs> so, didn't recognize her. So, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> I come with side effects. <laughs> wow, that's pretty neat. Boom. <laughs> Terry, thank, thank you. Yeah, I've got any more back there. Ah, I'll, be, I'll be going along and I hear this. <laughs> Maybe that'll be at the end. So, but as we look at this, um, my life choices. Our life choices. Our life choices determine where we're going. You don't get where you're at by accident. You get here by purpose. And, and, and you get here be, because of the decisions that we've made in response to the situations that have been in front of us. So, and our challenge is, how do we take what is the word of God to formulate our perception, our understanding of life, understanding of who we are as an individual, Understand God's giftings, God's giftings to us, and that everything that we have is a gift from God. Every talent we have, every ability we have is a gift from God. So we don't want to be in that category where 
Every man did what was right in his own eyes. You know, we want to be in a category where we understand that God is, has, has a plan and a purpose. So if we look at Romans chapter 12, we see Paul in his writing here. He says, verse 1, So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercies God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Consider what he has done. It is only right that you should worship him in this way. So Paul says, when we're beginning this, he's talking about we are a living sacrifice. Now the sacrificial system that he, he alludes to is in the Old Testament where they would take animals and they would kill them and take the blood and, you know, the lamb and they would sprinkle it on the altar and they would have these different animals that would be sacrificed on the altar. Well, when he's talking about here that we become a living sacrifice, we are, we are looking at our own life and seemingly sacrificing what we would consider the best choices for God and that we would give them up if God is taking us in a different direction. And, and it's, a, it's a challenge because I, I've, uh, I've uh, come into contact with ministers and so on this was years ago, and, and, and they gave up their, this one individual gave up his basketball career because he felt that he should go into the ministry, and he, he always talked about it as if it was something that he should have done rather than go into the ministry. And, and I, you know, my, my thought was, well, why couldn't you go play basketball and then go into the ministry? You know, I just, you know, me. But, um, he, you know, he always saw that as something that he had lost, and God isn't about having us lose our talents and our abilities to follow something, but God is about us fulfilling who we are as an individual, and in that fulfillment, we, fulfill, we find the plan of God. So we are living our life as a sacrifice. Our lives are lived in a way that we can know what God wants for us to do, and we'll see this as we go on. So... You know, when we look at our life, it's often in the short-sightedness. You know, can you give me a 10-minute assessment of your life? <laughs> okay? 10 minutes, I want you to assess your life. Well, basically, we're going to look back over the things that have happened, decisions we've made, and all that, and bring us to this moment in time. But living our life as a sacrifice to Christ and understanding what that sacrifice is is that we understand all these things that have brought us to this point. But when we are living for God, it is now from this point forward that we are looking into the future. Because God has promised these things. So our, our faith is believing that God has something more for us than what we already have. Now, it doesn't mean that it's uh, wealth or cars or homes and you know, all that. It could be, but that's not what it's about it's about being this person who is living for God and that our future is dependent upon God and what God is going to bless us with as we go forward. You know, um, when I went to uh, college, I went to, uh, to play football and be a uh, coach. <laughs> that was what I was intending to do. But while I was there and at a church in West Virginia, I felt God's call and it's just like, okay, you have to be a minister. Well, 
that's the furthest thing from me because I am generally a very quiet person and I don't talk too much. I know you're going to laugh. Where's the, where's the buzzer at, Terry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay. Uh, at the end of 30 minutes, you know. So, uh, but anyhow, I, I was, you know, generally I'm very shy, you know, backward, whatever. It's hard for me to find what conversation, but it was something that I felt needed to be, but at the moment was not capable of. And so everything, be, everything was that, the original intent of going to college and to play sports and to be a coach was the original intent, but I had to set that aside. I could do that, but speak, I couldn't do. So I had to lay those things aside in hopes of what I felt God wanted in front of me. So that dream had to be, because I could assess where I had come from, I could assess the, the sports I played and the, how good or not good I was and, and all those types of things, and then hopefully be able to put that together for, you know, a school district or college somewhere to play and coach and things like that. But you had to set that, what you knew, assessment aside for something that was a dream, an inspiration, a calling. And being a living sacrifice <laughs> is that you have to sacrifice the things that you know for what you seemingly don't know. Now, we're not, you know, not telling you this, you know, I've got some um, oceanfront po property in Arizona. It's got lots of sand, but no water. <laughs> That's a joke. Go ahead, Terry. No, yeah, yeah. yeah no, Arizona doesn't have any water, you know, it's no oceanfront, just sand. Okay, um, so as we move on, uh, the geographic maps need to put up there. But we find that, there, you know, it's not that type of investment. It is something that God has placed upon our lives. So we don't change yourself. Verse 2 says, don't change yourself to be like people of this world. Don't be people, don't change yourself to be a surface living person. <laughs> a surface living person. It means that everything looks good on the surface, but underneath, <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all. But let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Hmm. A new way of thinking. Change occurs from the inside out. Hmm. Not the patterns of the world or of society with its behaviors and customs that usually are self centered, self, my life, my choice, God's life, God's choice. So we are putting ourselves, and it goes on in verse 2 says, but let God change you inside and a new way of thinking, then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. You will be able to know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Okay, wait, whoa, that's a lot. Paul divided people into two categories. One is those dominated by their sinful nature, and the others controlled by the Holy Spirit. Dominated by sinful nature, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, those are perfect scenarios, and sometimes we find ourselves in, in the middle trying to find ourselves 
to which way we're going in this. But as we put it all together and as we continue to serve God, we continue to see which direction we are drawn to, and we are, we are drawn to Christ because you're here. <laughs> we're drawn to serving God because you're listening, because you, you have a, a desire in your heart to please God and to somehow know that there is something beyond what we've got in this surface place that we live in. So what is it that God is asking of us? He is saying, be able to know. Okay. <laughs> know what is good, know what is pleasing, and know what is perfect. Hmm. I'm able to know these things? Know what is perfect? Well, if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we know the one who is perfect. We know what is perfect. We know what is good. We know what is pleasing to Jesus and to the Father. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of my Father. So, the, and the Holy Spirit's role is to glorify the Son. Son's role is to glorify the Father. And here we are. We're called to be a living sacrifice to bring honor and glory to God. In our, in our living and in our life, because God wants to do something good in our lives. God wants to do some blessings and some stability and some peace <laughs> that passes understanding. He wants to bring us into a place where he can move in our hearts and lives that we are able to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, which, you know, not too easy. You know, sometimes <laughs> we walk places that are very hard. Imagine walking into Gethsemane, knowing that in a few short hours, they're going to come and get you and drag you and beat you and scourge you and hang you to a cross and kill you. Sometimes walking with Christ is not an easy avenue, but in the walking and in the going, we know that it is the will of the Father, and that as Jesus said, God, not my will but thine be done, we find that in that surrender, he found he is the perfect will of God. And in, in our life, finding that perfect will of God isn't where everything flows nice and easy and there's, you know, you sit down on the beach and the sun's shining and people bring you a drink of water <laughs> and, you know, you got the umbrella when it gets too hot and watch the sun and the waves go in and out and, hey, I got this. This is serving God. Mm, no. <laughs> it's... A little different. Verse 3. God has given me a special gift. This is Paul talking. He says, God has given me a special gift. And that is why I have something to say to each of you. Okay? Uh, a little parenthesis here. Let's go back to verse 2. Let God change you from the inside with a new way of thinking. Okay? So, God has given me a special gift and I, want something, I have something to say to you. Change from the inside out, verse 2. This is what he says in verse 3. Don't think that you are better than, than you really are. So that's the new way of thinking. <laughs> you know, that flies in the face of uh, positive thinking and, uh, you know, positive thoughts, how that we overcome all things is by how that we think and perceive. Well, let's hang on because Paul says that you must see yourself as you are. So it isn't, you know... People who sometimes profess the, the positiveness never deal with the, 
You know, it's like having a portrait and in, in, in the, in they say paint the warts and all, you know. You know, I want, I want a real portrait, not one that's all covered up with all the flaws. Well, we're looking at this and God is saying, don't think you're better than you really are. I want you to see you for who you're, see yourself for who you are in my sight. Now, and I think this is the, the foundation of this whole thing. He says, decide what you are, decide what you are by the faith God has given each of us. So, he says, decide. We're looking and seeing ourselves just as we are. Now you've got a decision to make. Not a false accusation or a false assumption that, you know, think and grow rich. No, not a false assumption. He's saying, decide what you are by the faith that God has given you. Somewhere in there is faith of, what, of who God has called you to be. And whenever he has called you to be this person, you have to have enough faith to step out to do those things and complete what God has already started. Now, I remember the night that I felt that God called me into the ministry, and it was like, this is something I know I have to do. And I continued to, year after year, plod on through that for the next uh, four years. And it was like, you know... There were times that I didn't want to, you know, didn't want to go back. I didn't want to finish. You know, this, is, this isn't really for me. I'm not like these other people that are there. They can, I used to call them song and dance people. <laughs> they could sing and they could preach and, you know, they could just, and I could just, you know, it was like, whoa. Is this sure, God, that you want me to do this, you know? And so you would challenge it. And, but by the faith, that God has given you. He wants you to speak into your heart and mind where it is that you're going because selfishness and self-centeredness focuses on what you got, what you can get, and who you can step on to get where you need to be. But being a living sacrifice is knowing that I have something inside of me that says, God wants me to be this. And so I continue to go in that direction. I continue to plod along. Now, there'll be other good things that come along. There'll be other good things that come and present themselves to us, and that's fine. You know, I always say that if you're going to make a decision, wait till you reach the T. You know, the road comes to a T. If you turn too soon, you end up in a ditch. <laughs> so wait till you can't go any further, then decide if it's left or right. Or when you come to the Y in the road, take it. <laughs> That's Yogi Bear. So when you come to the fork in the road, take it. So when you get to those places, you're going to know because you are sacrificing for God. This isn't about me. This is about where God wants to take me. So if we are being controlled to groups, if I am controlled by the Holy Spirit, we see what God what God sees in us. See, what does God see in you? What does God see when he looks into our hearts and lives? It is God who is looking on the thoughts and the intents of our heart. It is God who is at work in us and through us and God's purpose for our life. So these are the important things. And so, what evidence of the things not seen? <laughs> Hebrews 11.1 1. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. The things I hoped for was to be able to speak and be a minister, but that wasn't seen just at the time that God made the call. (laughs) And there are many things that God has led us into that it doesn't seem like this is where we should go, but faith says, you know what, I I can do this. You know, Philippians 2.5, remember Paul says, let God change you inside with a new way of thinking, verse 2. Don't think that you are better than you really are. You must see yourself as you are and what God sees in you. Then Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Think the way that Jesus thinks. <laughs> Whoa. Um, that's otherworldly, isn't it? <laughs> think the way Jesus thinks. Jesus told, and, and this always amazes me, that Jesus says, you are in me and I am in the Father, and we are one. Just as I am in the Father, so you are in me. God is in us, we are in him, and we are together in this. Me and God together? Yeah, that's what he wants. That's what God intended in this whole matter. That we are to be get together with him. Decide what you are by faith that God has given to you. Decide what it is that's in your calling, in your heart. And you have abilities, you have things that you haven't tapped yet, but faith and the calling, as you go forward in that, you will find a way. I remember when I, uh, we, we got married and you know, graduated from seminary and uh, I went my first church was in northern Maine and we went there and we had about 15 kids. I didn't have to preach. I was good. (laughs) But we received, we didn't have a salary. We received an offering from different churches that we would go and speak at on Sunday nights. So I had one sermon and I preached it every week at all these different churches. And it sounded pretty good until I, the people who started out the, wanted me to come back, and then I had to write another one. My gosh, I had two. What am I going to do? And so I, you know, I had about a massive collection of six or seven, and <laughs> we left northern Maine, came back, and we were going to speak, we were going to go pastor, uh, try out in a church over by Catanning. And the people, they thought, well, you know, we want you to come for a week of revivals. I says, a week of revivals. How many speaking? How many nights is that? Oh, that'd be about eight. I only have seven sermons. <laughs> what am I going to do? And he says, but we changed our mind. Goes, oh, God, thank you. <laughs> so that's how you got started, trying to write and trying to prepare and trying to put things together. And until just a few years ago, whenever we moved, I had all of my sermons. I had stacks of them. <sighs> I burn them all. <laughs> My, my son says, well, you should have copied them into the computer. He says, now you tell me, you know? But I don't use them anyhow. I always write, try to write new ones. The word is still the same. It's just a different way of looking at it. So, verse 4, Romans chapter 12. Each of us, and this is how Paul explains it. Got three minutes. This is how Paul explains it. He says, each of us has one body, and the body has many parts. Okay, Each of us has one body. The body has many parts. These parts don't do 
They all don't do the same thing. Every part of the body is different. The body operates under the function of the brain. And some people don't function well. But anyhow, boom, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to get with it there, okay? But um, so life isn't perfect. People are not perfect. The physical body is not perfect. According to verse 2, we will be able to know what is good and pleasing and what is perfect. Wow. So if we're looking at our body and the body's not perfect, what are we learning? That we all have different gifts. My right hand is very similar to my left, but it's not the same. It's similar, but different. <laughs> That's where you come up with the idea, it's the same, but different. What do you mean, same, but different? Right hand, left hand, the same, but different. When we look at our life, we, we often look at and compare ourselves to other people, and they, we look the same, but we have different functions. And that they, the, the right hand, for me, because I'm right-handed, has much more activity than the left left out <laughs> because it doesn't have everything so it becomes offended at the, at the right hand and so it puts itself away and only the right hand comes out because it is the dominant one. <laughs> you see how foolish that is? How many times do we look at our life and say we're not as good as someone else and they do something very similar that we do? But the body functions together. <laughs> the body functions together, so we are all different. Each, each gift came because of the grace that God has given to us. So all gifts, all of our abilities come from God. Whoever has the gift of prophecy, verse 6, he says, should use that gift in a way that fits the kind of faith they have. We are, to use the, we are to use the gift according to the faith that we have. It comes down to me allowing the faith, the belief that God has in me to instill in my life something better than what I am at this moment. Not because I am less than someone, not because I am greater than someone, but because this body, in the body of Christ, must function according to what God has called me to be. God wanted another Billy Graham? I'm sure he would have chosen me. But he didn't. <laughs> there's only one. So there's only me. There's only one of me, aren't you glad? <laughs> there's only one of you. There's a, because we're all different, part of the same body, but a different function. So, use the kind of faith that fits the gifts. Use the kind of faith that fits the gifting that you already have. Or that you feel God is calling you to do. <laughs> Your giftings are who you are, who and what you are. They are complete, yet not complete. 
They are what God wants to do, but yet are not complete in what he is, com what he is purposing for our lives. And there's more that I could do here, but if someone does you wrong, okay, this is about changing our attitude, changing from the inside out. We are to love each other in a way that makes you feel close to others as brother and sister. As you serve the Lord, work hard and don't be lazy. Be happy because of the hope that you have. Share God's people with, share with God's people who need help. Wish only good for those who treat you badly. When others are happy, you should be happy with them. And when others are sad, you should be sad too. Live together in peace with each other. Don't be proud, but be willing to be friends with people who are not important to others. If someone does you wrong, don't try to pay them back by hurting them. Try to do what everyone thinks is right, which is good and noble and honorable. Do the best you can. Live in peace. Don't try to punish anyone who does you wrong. Wait for God to punish them. So you see, changing from the inside out is allowing God's gifts to work with your gifts. God's gifts are imparted, divinely imparted to us. Our giftings are kind of natural. So the spirit comes with the supernatural and we come with the natural and we come together knowing God loves me just as much as he loves everyone else. He loves everyone else, and he loves me the same. <laughs> we are his children. And if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> Father, we thank you. We thank you that <laughs> our actions are an extensions of our moral values, that we live in Christ and Christ lives in us. We are controlled by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Help us, Lord, to see you more clearly, to understand the way, to understand what the truth really is, to understand the life that is given to us and the life that is eternal. Help us, Lord, to see these things as we look at you. So, Lord, thank you for loving us. Lord, if we have sinned, we ask your forgiveness. Lord, if we have sinned in thought, word, or deed, or in action, God, we ask for your forgiveness. Write our name in your book of life that should you come this day, we'll spend an eternity with you. So be with us now, Lord, and guide our steps Help us, Lord, as we recognize God first, God's life, God within us, God's will for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.